heard him preach many times and uh, followed him uh, through kind of, uh, I don't know, it's probably been about 10 years, maybe a little bit longer than 10 years that I've uh, heard of him and followed him and heard him preach and things like this. And uh, three years ago, we were supposed to have him come to our marriage retreat and to our revival. Um, and then, um, you know, it got canceled for some reason. Um, anybody remember what happened three years ago? <laughs> I don't think anybody knows what happened three years ago. Um, and so we actually, um, even though, you know, everything was going on, we were still planning on, on doing it. And, uh, but just because of everything that happened, we had to cancel, but, uh, brother Dickman was so gracious to, to work with us and reschedule. Um, and so we were so glad to be able to get him, uh, and his wife to come this week. And I know there'll be such a blessing to you. Uh, I encourage you to talk to him and his wife and get to know them. Uh, they're just such a blessing. And I know he'll say more about his book. He does have a book, uh, on the back table there. It's called Heartland. Language, and uh, I would really encourage you if you've never read it. Uh, I would really encourage you to read it. It's a, it's just a great book, and um, and I'll let him say more about that as he comes. But brother Dagan, you come right ahead and take our Sunday school hour, and please, please help us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. Side, but warm inside here. Amen. To the gentleman that I was asking for a treat for taking notes, I bet Brother Stanchis will give you a hug after church if you took notes at least. I mean, who wouldn't want a hug from their pastor, right? I mean, praise the Lord for that. Um, it is good to be here. We had a great time at the marriage retreat, and uh, I spoke there a little bit. It was actually our first official full-fledged marriage retreat. I've done several marriage things here and there with other people, and maybe had one session, but, but it was uh, me and my wife for the whole weekend. And my wife is here. Janelle, why don't you stand up real quickly and say hi to everybody. This is my beautiful wife, Janelle. And I told the marriage retreat, at least, the good thing about waiting three years and COVID kind of canceling us and bumping us is we hadn't hit the 25-year milestone in 2020, but we have now. So we've been married 25 years last summer. And I'll say a lot more about my testimony in the following service, uh, but I still want to just mention real quickly one of the big things that people um, know about me, and that's the fact that my parents are deaf. Um, I had had deaf parents all my life, of course, Uh, my mom and dad. Uh, have been deaf all their life. My grandparents were deaf. My great-grandparents were deaf. I have a deaf sister, and I have a deaf niece right now. So five generations of deafness in my family. We had so much deafness growing up, I even had a deaf dog one time. And uh, I, without fail, I get asked if that's a true story. It is true. It is true. We really had a deaf dog, and it was just an amazing experience. Um, as a kid, as a teenager growing up, I loved it. I mean, I had to go through some uh, obstacles and different kind of things, which you'll probably hear about sometime throughout the week, uh, maybe. But but it was a wonderful experience. I wouldn't trade it. It was so unique to be able to grow up in a bicultural, bilingual world. And, uh, in fact, we're hoping to possibly get some deaf people here this week. Uh, A lot of times, that's one of the reasons I don't wear suit coats much anymore because it seems like almost everywhere we go nowadays, maybe some deaf person will show up and I preach and sign at the same time. So that'd be cool if you see us in both languages, right, because then you can choose the language you want. And you'd be able to tell people that our church believes in speaking in tongues, right? And so <laughs> multiple languages in one service. Every time, once in a while, you go out door knocking, people are like, hey, do you, does your church believe in speaking in tongues? Yeah. In fact, we had a guy coming preaching two languages, you know, so, whoa, you know. Anyway, so we're just glad to be here. And Pastor and his wife have been such a blessing to us. And all of you were so kind to us at the marriage retreat and the hotels. Everything's been great. And la- yesterday, we got to eat that Black Rock Grill place. That was amazing. I highly re- I've never eaten there before. Changed my life, you know, me and, me and Preacher and his wife and my wife. And there was a couple other uh, church members there, too, and we, we just had a great time with it. We're just so thankful 
for the opportunity to be here. Looking forward to this revival. And then it's always good to be with teenagers. This made me feel more comfortable. When I was standing out in front of married couples Friday night and Saturday morning, and there was two couples in there. One, of course, preacher's dad, who's been married 50-plus years. Is he here this morning? He's preaching somewhere else. Okay, I figured he probably was. He's, he's been married 50-plus years. And then there was another preacher there that had been married 48, I think. And I'm like, what in the world am I going to teach them, you know? Uh, so this is more my element. I love teenagers. I get to speak to teenagers a lot, uh, especially in the summer when they're off school. I go to a lot of camps and conferences, so I know some of your folk from from camp and conferences and things like that. And so I like to see teenagers. I like to see them up in the front row. Is this the amen corner? Yeah. <laughs> we need revival. Yes, we need revival. Amen. So, so here, here's what I do. I'm, one, good, one good thing I know you're going to be shocked is I'm not real long-winded, okay? The longest message I've ever preached in my life was 43 minutes, and I average anywhere from 25 to 35. So you'll be able to get to McDonald's early every night this week, you know? <laughs> And uh, by the way, what a building, what a facility. Wow, I'm so happy for y'all. Preacher gave us a tour yesterday, my wife and I. Preacher and Mrs. Stenses gave us a tour, and we got to walk around everything and see. Uh, it's just, it's amazing what God has given to y'all, the location. And, and I mean, like, you're one mile from the border of, of Indiana, so you can reach the whole state of Ohio and Indiana at the same time. I mean, it's just exciting. And we're just so thankful for what God is doing here. Our church, I have been in my church 25 years this May. Um, started pastoring at the young age of 22 years old. And my wife and I have been there 25 years this May. We just finished our second big building project. So we know what it's like to, to go through all those construction and the energy and the excitement and, and the financial things and all the, just the anticipation, anticipation of it. I'll probably end up teaching that. So, well, let's see. How many of you marriage retreat folk remember the sign for anticipation? Very good. Anticipation. And that, that, that's opportunity. That's right, preacher. Uh, anticipation is, and facial expressions are important. Let's go, let's go ahead and just teach that today real quick. How many of y'all would like to learn a sign first thing this morning? I, this is free. I won't even charge you for it, okay? This is the sign for anticipation, all right? Put your hands together and just anticipation, right? And then the facial expressions are very important, right? You don't do this like you're miserable. I mean, don't act like you're in church. Act like you're happy. I mean, I mean <laughs> anticipation, right? And, uh, and so just have the anticipation because if God has given you this building, that means he's going to do something. He doesn't just give you something like this and then nothing happens, that you can have the spirit of anticipation. I like, who was the gentleman that asked for candy again? Who? Oh, it was you, Brother Shane. I, I, look, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Some of you know what, exactly what that phrase means because you're old enough. But um, I'm the same way, man. I mean, I, who says we got to grow out of being a kid? You know, I mean, I, I still love Christmas gifts. I do. I mean, I'm not, it's all about the kids. Yeah, and me, right? You know, I mean... <laughs> Come on, man. I'll, yeah, and I'll get my wife a gift, but, and me too. I want some presents, right? So uh, anyway, I appreciate the spirit we've already had here, and it's been great. Let's go to John chapter 4 this morning, John chapter 4. I want to teach you a Sunday school message. I mentioned a little bit of this in the marriage retreat, but I didn't do the full-fledged message. And it's 941. I should be done by about 10.05 maybe, or even a little bit earlier. And I, I asked preacher if it was okay, and he said to be fine. And a lot of times I like to... Finish this a little bit earlier, so if you have any questions about the deaf culture or deaf world, you can ask me about it. And if we get out early, then Brother Shane can get a smoke real quick before church, and that'll work out real good. Um, so <laughs> that'll work out just great. We know how those media guys are, man. We always know how those media guys are. So my media men are crazy. I'm telling you, man, my church, if you come to our church, there's some crazy guys in our church, man. When we first moved into our new building years ago, 
they ordered a pizza from Domino's when we were just moving into our new auditorium. Actually, this is an idea for y'all when you get in there. Anyway, and in the middle of my message, the Domino's pizza guy, he got the instruction and everything, walked down the middle aisle. I mean, walked all the way up onto the platform and handed me a pizza while I was preaching, and the sound of men up there dying laughing, you know. <laughs> it was right before the message, I think. So anyway, yeah, no, it was during the message, right? It was right before the message. So he interrupts the service, brings the pizza up, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, and everybody's laughing and cutting up. So somehow it ends up in the sound room, and I'm like, I want a piece of that after church. The sound room guys ate the whole pizza before I got done with church. So I'm telling you, man, there's an idea for you. And I, I like this thing that you have, like, the shotgun style where you can go back and forth, both the sound of the I heard about that. So they can be eating pizza on this side and going back over and watching, you know, I mean, anyway, so... It'll be great. John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Give me to drink. I'd like to speak on the Sunday school hour. Just uh, it's, it's a perfect theme for the revival and for what's going on in your church right now. On the subject of where do you live? Where do you live? The English language is, messed, is a messed up language, right? Um, sign language is amazing because so many times you can, my wife knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, one English word can sometimes have five signs for it or sometimes five English words can have one sign for it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting uh, marriage between the two. They don't get along very well, but it's a fascinating relationship between English and sign language, American sign language, that is. But for example, the word live, many people don't realize this, but the word live has almost 40 definitions in the English language. Did you know that? 40 definitions for the word live. I mean, how much more can you can you get past just where do you abide, right? And, of course, the main definition is to dwell or reside, to experience, to cohabit, or to practice. Where, wherever it is that you dwell, reside, experience life or cohabit, and to practice your daily rituals and so on. So I'm going to ask you in just a second where you live. And when I say where do you live, I want you to answer that question. All right? You don't have to give me the street address, but the name of the city and state. I'm assuming most of you live in Eaton, uh, but maybe some of you drove in. We have, if I ask that question in our church, we have probably eight, nine, ten different cities that people travel in from in our area, so I'm pretty sure that's the same here. So when I ask this question, I want you to answer it. Here we go. Ready? Where do you live? Very good. For this week, my wife and I live in Indiana, and uh, I like that your hotel's in Indiana. We're going to be going back and forth between both states a lot this week. How many of you are actually living in Indiana and came in today? All right, there's a few that live in Indiana. All right, so let's ask that one more time. I think I almost got it. I want to make sure I be able to mail you all a Christmas card this year. Let's go ahead and say that. Ready? Where do you live? All right, very good. So those are the cities, the state. That's where you live. Um, how many of you wish you lived in Florida by the ocean? All right, Hawaii. Yeah, okay. And uh, people ask me all the time, why are you in Missouri? I said, my boss has me in Missouri. But anyway, I'm a missionary to Missouri, amen. But I, I want to rather talk about something a little different today. And I'm going to start by teaching you some sign language. We're going to learn some sign language this morning because this message really applies in the area of sign language, okay? We have three tenses in the English language, past, present, and future. And I'm going to turn sideways so you can see these signs pretty good and it makes sense. So here's the sign for past, right? Makes sense. It's what's behind you, past, present. It's right here. It's like right in the midst of where my body is right now. And then future. See the extension. 
So there's a visual application to sign language. So past, present, future. All right, this is another neat thing. Let's go ahead and go to the days. Yesterday, notice the backward motion. Yesterday, today is the same as present, and then tomorrow. So you, can, you see a consistent bodily movement and, and activity that represents something that is behind you, something that is extended out, and then something that is right now in the present. And today, instead of asking you where you actually physically live, I'd rather ask you where you emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically, and mentally live today. And that is, which of the three tenses do you live in today? I believe with all my heart that the devil wants you to live in one of two tenses. Whereas God today wants us to live in only one tense. And this is the revival. This week is revival. This is a present activity and though Wednesday is a little bit in the future, let's all say that this is this week. We can say this week, this, this present week. This is the first day of the week. It is March 19th, and we are heading into a new week. And this week, we have revival. This week, we have the opportunity to come and fellowship. And our church just had our missions conference a few weeks ago, which is pretty much the revi- one of the best revivals of our church all year long. Our church gets so excited when missionaries come. And uh, that's what I love about your preacher, his background and his testimony in missions, not only as a son, but as a missionary himself. Uh, just what a testimony that is. But when we look at life today, so many Christians are missing out on the opportunity to do something for God right now because they have chosen to live in one of the other two tenses. Now, listen to me very carefully. I think it's okay to be aware of the other two tenses and to appreciate things from the other two tenses. But our focus should be in the one tense that we're going to get to. And I think many of you that are... All right, you're smelling what I'm stepping in. Some of you are still looking at me like an Amish man in the Best Buy, but you know what I'm saying. Um, uh, but still, the, the point I'm trying to make tonight, this morning, is simply this. There's three tenses, and God wants us to live in one. Number one, let's look at the first one. The first one is the past. The past. Now, the past is, is something that traps people so much. I'm amazed how many Christians, preachers, lost people, just people in general get hung up on the past. Look at John chapter 4, verse 5 again. Then cometh he to a city of, where is it? Samaria. Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. All right, jump down to verse number 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, of course, Jesus asked for water. We read that in our opening text. How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which I am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Why? Why don't the Jews have any dealings with the Samaritans? Why not? Why couldn't Jesus ask her for a drink? Well, because she's been brought up all her life. And even Jesus grew up in the culture that Jews don't deal with Samaritans. Samaritans don't deal with Jews. Gentiles don't deal with Samaritans. Samaritans don't deal with Gentiles. Samaritans are half-breeds. They live in a unique situation there. John 4, verse 12. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Wait a minute. First of all, she says, we're not supposed to have any dealings with each other. But then she says, our, Jesus, we both have the same father, Jacob. Jacob is our, the father, one of the fathers of Israel, which gave us the well and drank there of himself and his children and his cattle. John 4, verse 17 through 19, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sense, thou truly, the woman saith to him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Listen to me, many, many Christians today are ate up with their past and they live in their past. And it's not always, as soon as we hear that, we immediately think of the things that we've done wrong in our past or bad things we've done in our past. But it's not even only that. Sometimes we preachers and Christians can get 
comfortable with some of the great victories. You know, sometimes I, we find ourselves saying, oh, the good old days. Boy, it just wasn't like it was back then. Well, that's great. You want a cookie? Let's do something today, right? We have become very dictated to in our lives and our daily actions about what happened in our past. This woman at the well has had a lot of baggage. This woman at the well had a rough past. This woman at the well, her, her testimony is consistent with the people of that generation because they've been taught all their life that you're not supposed to get along with that people. You're not supposed to hang out with those people. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And the past was dictating their behavior. And Jesus Christ, the famous disruptor, changes it. Why? Because he must need to go through Samaria. When Jesus today, right now. I got to go right now. All right. So can I encourage you today to be aware of your past? Learn from the mistakes. Appreciate the blessings of the past. Obviously, I'm not saying forget your past because thank God you got saved in your past. Thank God you got married in your past. As I was driving over here this morning from the hotel there in Indiana, I appreciated the rear view mirrors that my vehicle has on it so that I could be aware of what was behind me. But I promise you, I did not look in the rearview mirrors the whole way here only or I would not have made it here. I'd end up in a ditch. And so many Christians end up in the ditch of life because they cannot take their eyes off their past. All right. Number two, number two, real quickly, the future, the future. Look, I'm excited about the future, man. I, I uh, my, my kids are at a stage of life. We have four children. I'll probably talk about it more in the next service. I have a 23 year old daughter, a 21 year old daughter, a 17 year old son and a 15 year old daughter. And we love our family. Many of you have seen my kids. They usually travel with us. They travel with us a lot, especially when they were littler. And they'd sing all over the country and all that good stuff. And, and we're very close to our family. Our kids are all – actually, we, my wife was just coming way over here. All four of them are doing some kind of teaching today at church. Uh, my two oldest daughters are teaching different classes. My littlest girl's teaching the deaf class because she knows sign language. And my son is doing junior church. And so what a blessing it is that they're all four wanting to serve the Lord and be a part of that. I'm excited about what God's going to do in their future. I'm excited about someday when they get married. I'm not excited about the sons-in-law here. I hear they're, they're bums until they give you grandchildren. That's what I've heard. Is that true? I hear sons-in-laws are bad until you get grandchildren. Then they're all of a sudden become pretty cool guys. Uh, but I'm not there yet. I'm not a grandpa yet. But I look forward to someday. Uh, and I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm excited about what God's going to do in our new building. We just built a brand new gymnasium with 12 new classrooms and uh, four offices and a conference room. And, and, boy, God's doing some great things in Jefferson City, just like he's doing here in Eaton. And I'm excited about the future. But listen to me. Listen to me. We will not get to the future unless we start doing something today. I right, look at John chapter four, verse 34 and 35. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye there yet four months and then come of the harvest. Say not ye. That's what you say. The disciples, he, the disciples had shown up at this point. He says, you say that there's four months and then come the harvest. Hey, that's what you say. Everybody says that. Hey, we got time in the future. We're going to get to do this in the future. We're going to be a part of this in the future. It's going to happen in the future. The rapture is going to happen. And it is. And I can't wait for the rapture to happen. In fact, if the rapture happens today or this week during the revival, He can definitely interrupt this revival and get us checked up out of here. And I'm excited about those days. But listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus says, behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. So are we going to continue to adhere to the say not ye doctrine or what Jesus says to us? All right. You understand that past and future will consistently conflict us. Many of us are bothered by our past and burdened by the future. We're worried about the future. Many of us have children and think, oh, my goodness, what in the world kind of country are my kids going to grow up in? And the devil loves to remind you of your past and intimidate you with the future. Think about this. The devil does tell the truth. Did you know that? There's only one time the devil tells the truth. That's when he accuses you of your past. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. 
The devil never comes to me and says, Randy, I know that you robbed a bank before. And I'm reminding you of that. Because as of March 19, 2023, I have not robbed a bank yet. With gas prices and the, this economy we have, it's a very, very high possibility I will someday. All right? It could happen. I'm, not, I'm just saying it could happen. But he's not going to remind me of things I have not done in my past, but rather things I have done in my past. Right? But then he'll try to get me intimidated and scared about the future. Oh, my goodness. Look at the economy. Look what's looming. Look what's coming. The pressures are going to start clamping down on churches in America. I'm telling you, it's already happening north of the border. The pressure is getting great. And all the while, when we listen to the devil in the past and the future, we forget about what God is doing right now in the present. I wrote a quick little poem called Tomorrow Never Comes. It says, tomorrow, they say, it's just a day away. You can wait, for it will be there all way. But when today pauses, tomorrow's out of reach once again. Or when today passes, tomorrow's out of reach once again. So we say, I guess I just wait once more for tomorrow to begin. I will. I promise. I mean, I really want to. And once again, tomorrow departs as we continue to pursue. So while we obsess about what we will do tomorrow, today sits quietly ignored, waiting in sorrow. So enough with all this tomorrow talk. Since we will never get there, it is today we shall walk. Because today is here. Today is now. Today is you and me. Tomorrow escapes. It runs. It fleets. It's a day we never see. So make it today. Say it. Live it. Love it. Do it until it is done Because today is here, today is now, for tomorrow never comes. We never, ever reach this mythical land of tomorrow. Tomorrow always becomes today. Be aware of your tomorrow. I'm I'm not against planning for the future and setting aside retirement and making some wise financial decisions for your family. I'm, I'm not against any of that. Again, just as I said using the cardinal illustration, I have rear view mirrors that tell me about the past. I can still look way down the road and see what's ahead. You know, maybe there's that stoplight way down the road. And I'm going to be aware of it, but I better pay attention to what's happening 20 feet in front of me right now. All right, that leads to number three, the present. You might want to guess which one the devil wants you to live in. He wants you to live in either the past or the future. Help yourself. Go ahead. Live in your past. Live in your future. Live there. God says live in the present today. You see, Jesus comes to her in verse 4. He says, he must needs go through Samaria. John 4, 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now look at John 4, verse 41. The same chapter. I love this one. And many more believed because of his own word. The woman at the well had her life transformed. She leaves the water pot, the Bible says. She left the water pot. Why? Because the water pot was, was, was a bridge to her past. It was chained to her. And she runs to the city. And she says, come see and hear a man that told me all that I ever did. And the whole city comes out. And at first they say, we are here because of her testimony. But eventually, for sake of time, as you read that chapter, they all end up getting saved because of the testimony of Jesus Christ himself. Listen, church. Be aware of your past, be aware of your future, but live in the present. By the way, I mentioned this in the, the marriage retreat. What is God called in the Bible? The great I am. What tense is I am? Huh? You know that God's the only person that can say I am the beginning and the end at the same time. He's the only person that can say I am the first and the last at the same time. He's the only one that can say I am the alpha and omega. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and life. Moses says, God, who shall I say send me? Tell him that I am sent you. Wow. He is the great I am. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. Before Abraham was John eight fifty eight. here we go. I am. 
Jesus Christ is outside of the time continuum. He's not limited by past, present, and future. And that's one of the most amazing things about heaven. Time will be put into retirement. Do you understand that? The sun and time will be put into retirement. Listen, you know why? Because everything is going to be in that instantaneous moment for all eternity. All eternity is, is reliving the same second over and over for all eternity. So when you get to heaven someday, it's going to feel like you got there for the first time for all eternity. That's why there'll be no sadness there. That's why there'll be no tears there. That's why there'll be no heartbreak. That's why you won't age there. That's why you won't get sick and get cancer. Because it'll be like you got to heaven for the first time over and over and over for all eternity. Why? Because God is the great I am. What a blessing to know that today. He is the great I am. And if God is the great I am, then we should focus on the present today. It doesn't matter what age we are today. I don't care if you're a young teenager. I've met several 15-year-olds. Some of these young men are the same age as my baby girl daughter and my daughter. And I, and I think about how young they are with a, with a bright future in front of them. To those of us that are a little older in here today, still, listen, we're alive. We have a pulse. Sometimes when I preach in Baptist churches, I'm not sure if everybody that attended that day has a pulse. We'll probably say more about that in the next service, right? But we have a pulse. Yes, my pulse is still working. It's good, all right? We're alive today. It's our time. First Baptist Church of Eden, this is your time. God has given you this building. God has given you a pastor with a vision and and, and a fire and a passion to do something for God. And God has given you this opportunity, this location, and God is bringing new families in. And and I heard about your discipleship program yesterday while we were at lunch, and I heard about some of the plans that your preacher has, and I'm so excited for you all. This is your moment. This is your day. There's been great revivals of the past, but they've all come and they've gone. And then maybe there'll be some more revivals in the future. But right now, today, hey, First Baptist Church of Eden, may I encourage you to live in the moment. Carpe diem, seize the moment. Today is the day. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the great I am. Know about your past. Appreciate your past. Learn from your past. Prepare for your future. Be educated about your future. But live in the moment. Live in this present. Isn't it interesting that present, once again going back to the wonderful English language, doesn't just mean a tense. It's also the word we use for gift in this present god has given us a gift the present today you can say i love you to somebody one more time today you can encourage your preacher one more time today you can pray one more time today you can hug your child one more time because hey we all know this those kids grow up real fast my wife and i walked in and saw this seven month old baby she's right there and i thought to myself my so i remember holding my 23 year old daughter when she was seven months old and She threw up in my mouth. (laughs) And just like that, she's a 23-year-old girl who owns her own cleaning business, and and she's exploding and growing, and she's got a dream to marry a youth pastor someday and be in the ministry, and she's excited about all that. But just like that, they grow. Remember this quote, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it spins. There's a lot of truth right there. If you write that down in the back of your book, book, you're about to put my name on her because I want credit for that quote, okay? There's a lot of truth to it. The past and the future. I'm grateful for both of them, but I want to live in the present. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes real quickly and pray. And let's ask the Lord to help us this week. This is, this is our week, you know. In just a few days, my wife and I will load up and we'll head back to Missouri. And uh, we, we have a few trips planned. We're preaching in Utah for a Deaf Awareness Sunday two weeks from today. In fact, we'll be all the way over in Utah two weeks from today. 
And then about four weeks from today, we'll be in the Bahamas preaching a revival in the country of the Bahamas. Those are some of my future plans, and I'm excited about those things. But you know what? I'm not really worried about them right now. I know they're there. You know what I'm, I'm pumped about right now? Being with you wonderful folk here at First Baptist Church of Eden, Ohio. This is our week together. And I can't wait to see what God does. And I'm excited about what God is doing in your midst. And so tonight, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or anything, but just, want, just take a moment of meditation and say, Lord, could I, could I live in this moment? Could I be where the great I am is? Can I anticipate a great future? Can I be grateful for things of the past, whether I learned them or were blessed by them? But I'm going to live in the moment. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice about it. When we wake up tomorrow morning, there will never, ever, ever be another March 19, 2023. We may have a March 19, 2024, but not a March 19, 2023. It'll be done forever. At midnight tonight, we'll never get to live this day again. This is the day, the present. Say not ye there yet four months, then come to the harvest. I say unto you, lift up your eyes already, for the fields are wide already in harvest. I'd rather live with what Jesus says than what I think sometimes. God, forgive me for the times I do that. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for being so good to us. I pray that you would continue to teach us and challenge us in this area. Help us to live in the moment, live in the present. Thank you for being such a good God. Thank you for being the great I am. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're done a little bit earlier than as I thought. 10.03. We did good on that. I like having that big clock back there. Um, so let me just, just say, just briefly, and if not, like I said, we can break out early, Brother Shane, we can go get a smoke and all that good stuff, and we'll go on with the rest of the services. But uh, as, as I said, I was privileged to be born in a home with deaf parents. Um, you know, it was, it was such a unique experience growing up with all the deafness. Family reunions were always unique because there was mostly deaf people around. It wasn't just the fact that my parents were deaf, my grandparents were deaf, great-grandparents, my sister and my niece but my parents' siblings were all deaf. So my mom had two brothers. They're both deaf. In fact, one of them was a missionary to Ecuador, uh, South America. And then my other uncle, he actually lives in Ohio. He lives up near Akron, Stowe area. Uh, my mom and my uncles attended the Ohio School for the Deaf in Columbus, Ohio, way back when they were growing up in the 50s and all that, 60s and all that good stuff. Um, my, my dad was from Florida, so he attended the Florida School for the Deaf in Florida, and then he and my mom met in college at Gallaudet University, which is the only liberal arts deaf university of its kind in the world, and that's in Washington, D.C. And, um, of course, they just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary last summer. And my dad's 83 now. My mom's 74. And they both attend my church. They both will be at our church this morning, very faithful to our church. And I thank God I get to pastor my mom and dad and my sister. And my sister has a deaf daughter who is six. She'll be seven next month. or Yeah, next month, in fact. And then she has twin boys that are five, and they both are full of legion, but they have a lot of hope. We're excited about what God's got planned for them. And those twin boys are, are hard of hearing, so they wear hearing aids a lot. And so they can hear, but they don't, I mean, they have potential to speak because their voice is very different than their sister, right, babe? And then, then she has another boy who's two and a half, and uh, he's hard of hearing too. And he's also following in the footsteps of his two brothers. We're very, very close. They love their Uncle Randy. We have a good time. It's so, it is, there's, there's nothing like, and you ask my wife, watching a little deaf child sign, isn't it? My little girl, my little niece, Amelia, just watching her sign is just a beautiful thing. And my sister is expecting her fifth child this May, and it'll be a girl. So we don't know if it's going to be deaf or hearing yet. We'll find out when, uh, when the baby's born this May. And uh, so it was a great experience growing up with the deaf world. I will say this, and then just ask, if you have any questions you can ask. Um, the, as it stands right now, the deaf are the third most unreached people group on the planet. 
And the only reason they're number three is because there's so many Muslims and so many Chinese people, obviously, and Indians. I think the Indians are in that mix, too. But they're the number one most unreached people group in America. In our country, they're the number one most. Somebody has to be number one, right? Unfortunately, it's the deaf. And I've been saying to a lot of people lately, isn't it interesting that the Bible says Jesus won't come back till all have heard the gospel? Maybe the last people group that would finally hear the gospel with the deaf. And I'll tell you right now, they are very hungry for the gospel. Um, we have a very active social media ministry just because the deaf don't have churches to attend. Um, we, we have reached quite a few deaf people through that social media ministry. I remember several years ago, a deaf lady got saved in Pennsylvania. And I tried to help her in research and found out the closest church over the deaf ministry was a three-hour drive away in America. So they watch a lot of stuff online. We have a very active presence online media with Facebook Lives and our messages. We have a, a separate deaf church we do on Sunday mornings when I'm home. And so I, I like to share all that just so sometimes we forget out of sight, out of mind. But just pray. I don't expect everybody here to become fluent in sign language. But at least pray that God will do a work in the hearts of deaf people. The sign for listening or hearing is this. That makes sense, hearing people hear with their ears. The deaf have fun with that. They take that and do this with their eyes, right? But you know, it's amazing, and I'll say more about this in the next service. Jesus doesn't really speak to the ear or the eye. He speaks to the heart. So we want the deaf to hear the gospel right here in their heart. So does anybody have any questions about it? Listen, I've been asked everything under the sun. You don't have to worry about embarrassing me because I've been asked everything about the deaf culture. But does anybody have any questions about the deaf world or deaf culture that we got a few minutes before you dismiss? Anybody today? If not, we'll, we'll just shut down and get ready for church. But anybody? Yes, sir, preacher. Yes. 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 My dad is a very strong crusader for making sure the deaf people in America appreciate what they have in America. Don't you complain because when you go outside the country, things drastically change. Um, have you ever been to the Holocaust Museum in Washington D.C.? Washington D.C. Um, I think everybody needs to try to go there. If you're ever in D.C., go to the Holocaust Museum. It's one of the most sobering places you'll ever visit. It's four floors that, that depict the horrible activities of that demon-possessed man, Hitler, who just slaughtered the Jews. What a lot of people don't know is there's a, there's a window display of the deaf. He tortured deaf people, too. He drilled holes in their head to try to figure out why they're deaf. Deaf people have always been cast out. Um, we have a missionary to Serbia who just told me the other day, or told me last year at our missions conference, that to this day still, as of 2022, last year, deaf children were still sent off to insane asylums in the country of Serbia. My uncle, who's a missionary in Ecuador, it's very common for him to find a deaf person who's 16, 17 years old and does not even know his own name. And it's very common for my uncle to have 16, 17-year-old deaf people that come to kindergarten and they don't graduate high school until they're 27, 28 years old. Because that's the way the, the deaf people have always been. In the old Roman days, Roman civilization, if a child was born deaf, they would oftentimes take that child, put it in a basket, set it out in the woods, and let the wild animals eat it because there's no use to keeping a deaf child. Don't tell me they can't do stuff. My dad is a bachelor's degree graduate, has two master's degrees, and he's been an educator for all his career. For over 40 years, he taught deaf children and taught hearing people how to sign and trained interpreters. They can do a lot of amazing things. Some of the best preachers I've ever heard are deaf men, man. I, I, I love preaching in sign language, and some of my favorite preachers have been deaf men that I've seen. My wife did not even know any sign language. We got married. She's fluent in sign language now. She's able to communicate with deaf people all over the place. She's led deaf people to Christ, and we're thankful for that. 
Um, but yeah, America's blessed. I went to the Philippines one time and preached in the Philippines, a deaf camp. They had 37 deaf present. I think 27 out of 37 got saved because they had never really heard the gospel, right? In the Bahamas, the, re- the only reason I go back to the Bahamas, I've been, this will be my 12th time, and then July I go back for the 13th time. The only reason I go so many times is because of the deaf. Um, they bring in new speakers all the time, but one year I happened to come. One night, a group of deaf showed up. I preached and signed at the same time. So the Bohemians are like, man, bring this guy back, and he can kill three birds with one stone. Three birds, not two, three, because I can preach to youth, do revival, and preach to the deaf at the same time. And uh, so it's a great, great need. And the deaf in other countries are way behind the deaf here in America. And you saw that in Uganda, and that's very typical all over the world. The deaf children get left behind. You know, when you, when you think about it, a, a, deaf, a deaf child is already behind the eight ball because 90% of deaf children have hearing parents. And the hearing parents think it's some tragedy that their child is deaf. They cannot believe that they have a deaf child. So what do I do with this deaf child? And my sister, it was very different. I actually got to interpret. I'm a certified licensed interpreter still in the state of Missouri. I don't get to interpret a whole lot, but I interpret when I can. And when my sister's baby, when my niece was born, they called my sister in the doctor's office. And there was a room, and then we were sitting in a room, and my sister was sitting there holding my little niece. And and I overheard the nurse say, I hate I don't want to break the news. Doc, would you be willing to? And the doctor was like, and they were kind of discussing who gets to come in here and break the heartbreaking news to my sister that her child is deaf. And the reason they were hesitant is because they know many people react in such a sad way. And I, and I don't blame people for feeling that way because ignorance and naivety are the cause of that. We don't know, right? We fear what we don't know a lot of times. And finally, I, I told my sister, I was interpreting what they were saying, and my sister finally called him and said, hey, I'm okay. You can tell me my child is deaf. Um, it's okay. I'm deaf, so it'll, well, she'll be fine. And the nurse was actually surprised to see such a positive reaction. But that's because my sister's well-versed in it. She's deaf herself. She grew up in the deaf world and deaf culture. But that is a great question because in America, getting them saved a lot of times, you have to, you have to teach them about Adam and Eve in the first place because a lot of deaf people don't, in America don't even know about Adam and Eve. They don't even know. They've, many times I've witnessed to a deaf person, they've never even heard John 3.16. I've led two deaf people that were over 90 years old to Christ. They both have been, they're both in heaven now, thank God. And when they came to the church and I taught them about you must be born again, both of them had said they had never been, never been told that, that, that John 3.16 verse. And a deaf lady named Fern Pace, I still remember her. She was 75 years old when she came to our church. And she said a Baptist preacher told her she would get a free pass to heaven just because she's deaf. A Baptist preacher told her that. And I gave her the gospel and she got saved. And she's also in heaven today. And we praise the Lord for that. But... It's a great need, and so thank you for that question. It's, it's a great need. Anybody else a question about the deaf or about, any, about anything? Mainly about the deaf. Anybody? All right. Great. Oh, yes, yes, ma'am. Especially being older. Deaf, blind people are some of the most amazing people on this planet. Deaf and blind. Many people know about Helen Keller. I grew up with some Helen Kellers in my life. Um, My wife can testify. It's amazing how they understand and communicate. They just put their hands on your hands. And I'm signing away, and they understand everything I'm signing them. It just blows my mind. I had the privileges when I first got saved to meet two deaf and blind Jewish men. They both were Jews. And they both, you know, claimed to be Jews, but they didn't understand why. They just were told that because that's where their family was. And both of them got saved. 
They never saw me. They never heard me. But they, they put their hands in my hands, and they both trusted Christ by putting their hands in my hands, and I would just sign, and they would understand. It's just amazing uh, what deaf and blind people can do. That, like that extra sixth sense God gives them, it's, it's just amazing. That's a great, that's a great test. It's amazing. Anybody else real quickly? Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. It is deaf people will always be better at lip reading than hearing people because they've they've learned to live. What I often tell people is you got to remember most time when hearing people meet a deaf person they kind of spaz out like oh my goodness what do I do? Deaf people aren't bothered by it because they've been used to living in the hearing world all their life. But hearing people aren't used to seeing a deaf person. They just you know unless you know where they're at you don't really find them. They're kind of they're kind of that quiet. And you may be walking past deaf people or seeing them at restaurants and stores all the time and not even know they're deaf. My dad always called it the invisible disability. Because most disabilities, you can tell someone's disabled, but you can't see a deaf person. Um, I remember one of my burdens as a kid growing up, so to speak, was when my dad and I were walking in a public place, and some man would walk by my dad and say, hello, sir, how are you? And my dad would not hear him. I was always worried that that guy would think my dad's being rude. And I'd run up to my dad and tap him on the shoulder and said, sir, sir, my dad's deaf. And I'd sign, hey, he said, hello, sir, how are you? And my dad would be like, oh, I'm fine, how are you? And he'd shake his hand. And at first, the guy thought, man, why is he being so rude, you know, just blowing him off? But most deaf people actually learn how to lip read from a very young age because most of them grow up in hearing homes. And many parents do not even learn sign language, so they have to lip read their whole life. And here's, here's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't know about. Deaf people will see things way faster than you will see them because they don't have ears. Some car insurance companies give deaf people dis- discounted rates because they're better drivers than hearing people. Because they will see things way before you will because we are so hearing-oriented. We hear the horn... We hear an accident. We hear and then we respond by our ears. Hearing people by nature, you know, you, right there, somebody just jumped. We respond to noise. We hear some noise and we jump. But a deaf person will see. And then deaf people have better peripheral vision always because they've just trained their eyes. And so everything's visually oriented. In the 1950s and 60s, our government tried to pass a law that said deaf people cannot drive because they're deaf. It makes them dangerous drivers. So the deaf decided to go on a little crusade, try to figure out a way to, to combat that, and they finally came up with a genius idea. They said to the government, we will be glad to yield all of our driver's licenses if you remove radios from all the cars. <laughs> and we know hearing people can't live without their music. And the politician said, if I got rid of radios out of the cars, we'd be voted out the next right. And they said, never mind deaf people, you can keep on driving. So um, It can be scary riding with a deaf person, right, babe? Because uh, they sign, and they've got one hand on the steering wheel, and you're going down the road and swerving. I got pulled over many times. My dad got pulled over many times growing up because he was, and he would just tell the cop, I'm signing and, and driving at the same time. I mean, and the cop, the cops always let him go, oh, okay, he's a deaf man. Okay, go. You know, they just let him go. Uh, my friends would ride with us and get scared. I said, don't worry, my dad's a pro at this, you know. But, but, they, but that is, but they, they all, a lot of times answer your question, they become very good lip readers because by, by actually because they have to, so. That was a great question. All right, I think we're out of time, so looking forward to the week. It's going to be great. Thank you, preacher. God bless you. Let's live in the moment.